I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. You can follow us at Open Mind TV and support our series on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Open Mind. Delighted to welcome our guest today, Valerica Steele. She is a porn star and actress. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you. I'm happy to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. What do you think is the most unknown reality of the porn industry to those who might view porn, but really don't know what it's like to be in porn? So honestly, like the biggest thing, and this is like what people ask me about the most, and I see all of us talk about it, but, and I'm sure you know this, because I know you've talked to some of us before, um, but a lot of people just don't seem to realize that we do get tested every two weeks. And since the coronavirus pandemic, we get tested for COVID at least 24 hours before every shoot. So we go through a lot and we spend a lot of money just to make sure that we're safe and people still view us as dirty. And I'm going to repeat myself that we get tested so many times just like over the course of my life because I want people to understand that we are cleaner than like most people in that respect, for sure. And there's just so much like time and energy that goes into what we do and people think it's easy but it's not at all. It is work. And one of the points that you've made and expressed on social media is that sex work is not acknowledged and legitimized in the way that it needs to be, according to the law, according to employment practices. Um, but since you joined the industry, do you think things have improved or not? So the... The, the thing that really gets me where we're not recognized as legitimate or it's like, a, you know, like not a real job or something or that it's like not something that should be recognized as a job or our money is dirty or anything like that is that we can't have certain banks. We can't have PayPal or anything like that. They, they will ban us if they find out what we do. And I personally have lost a ton of money just by my accounts being shut down when they find out what we do. And I think that that's so stupid. Like, <laughs> like you don't like, this is a job of like a high dollar job and they don't want our money because they don't recognize us as legitimate. I guess they don't want anything to do with it. So, and that hasn't changed at all. So I don't think that there's been a lot of progress. And even though sex work has become more mainstream since OnlyFans kind of took off. And, you know, since a lot of people have turned to sex work because of the pandemic, people are noticing it more. And I think maybe a lot of people's opinions about it have changed in a positive way. But also a lot of people have gained a lot of resentment for it. It seems like since then, like extra resentment, and it's just unfortunate. And I don't really know if we're ever fully going to be destigmatized. But, you know, I've, I've definitely seen a positive uh, step, you know, like in the right direction towards that. But I, it, I'm not very hopeful that it'll ever be like, you know, fully recognized. Well, that's certainly a realistic attitude. Is there advocacy that you could 
along with your colleagues in the industry, push the dial further towards destigmatization? Uh, or do you think that preserving your lifeblood, preserving, you know, the validity of the economic trade, the commerce of it is the most important thing. And we shouldn't be idealistic or unrealistic that that destigmatization will occur. Uh, in other words, I, when I've hosted you and um, Asa Kura and others, that the question I've always grappled with is, can there be a coalition formidable enough to actually destigmatize fully? And you're saying possibly not, but is it worth doing? Must it be done anyway? Yes, it absolutely must be done anyway. But I think, you know, the root of the issue, one of there's, there's a lot of roots to this issue, but a huge one is lack of sex education in general. And like, I've learned more about sex since I'd, got into the industry than school ever even slightly touched on. And I think that better sex education in general, like for the youth, is very, very important in that process. And it's definitely going to be like a generational thing, accepting more of this. Because you see like older people like really generally are the the biggest ones that don't accept it. And the younger generation, because now there's one below me seems to be pretty cool with it uh for the most part and then there's a lot of them that have gone the opposite direction because it's so in your face now on social media but um i think definitely like better sex education is going to be one of the biggest steps i don't know if there's a single organization or anyone that could make as much of an impact as our government could by doing that what do you think is the most effective political strategy, um, either on a statewide basis or nationally, to dignify the work um, and to ensure that statutorily it is protected. Because the irony, right, is that a lot of what occurs on OnlyFans is not legal in person. And it, there is a kind of digital disconnect in freedom of expression and how you can monetize that in the, in the virtual space relative to the physical space. Um, knowing that that's all the case and that certain companies have demonized the industry and even demonetized it, what's the most useful way do you think that you and your colleagues can advocate for that change and can actually get political results? So what really gets me about this job in general, especially the fact that everything I do is legal, is that us as performers are taxed without representation. Our only representation in the government is the APAG union, which is led by Alana Evans, and they do amazing work. But we need like a panel of not people that other people said are experts in our industry, but some like that we appointed to represent us and they needed to actually be listened to. And we're just talked over like so much, like everybody there's 
figureheads that don't know enough about us that get to be the ones who say who should represent us when that time comes. But there's no solid panel other than the APAG union that, that represents us. And we need to be considered in a lot of things because especially like what's going on now, like with all the stuff against sex trafficking, we need a, a voice in that. We need a very strong voice in that in the government. Someone who understands the reaches of our our what we do. Um because there's just not and I'm going to say tax without representation again, because we do pay taxes and we're just spoken over constantly. It does sound like a, a real challenge, but you are describing the need and do your peers professionally agree with you? And are there any movements underway to launch that kind of, if you will, unionization um, so that your voice can be expressed in a, in an effective lobbying function. Really the only thing is the APAG union. And I just think that people need to promote them more and, you know, like let people know about them more because like I found them maybe seven months into doing this and I should have known about them right away. And everybody that does this should know about them. And I think they should be like, they do get a voice in some things, but only after they speak up first. And I think that we just need to be like considered more when online bills are being passed and that kind of stuff. Um, and people just need to be more aware that this does exist and we need to make it bigger. When you talk about destigmatization, one of the things that you tweeted about is the importance that these platforms remain open to sex workers and to porn stars, actors, actresses, entertainers. Um, And over the course of the last several months, you and others have wondered as to whether or not your voices will continue to be allowed on those platforms. Obviously, Twitter is the most liberal and liberating. at the moment, do you have an, a sense as to whether you think your profile, for instance, and those of your peers will be protected and that Twitter really does mean free expression in, in every way? I believe that Twitter itself would allow us no matter what. Um, but it's the government that worries me because there's the so there's the SISEA bill would have required the government to keep a database of people who didn't want 18 plus content of them on the internet because of revenge porn or leaks or whatever reason. And the, the worry was that instead of like this database would have been incredibly complicated. And if someone uploads any NSFW content, it would have had to be screened through this database And the worry is that instead of dealing with the high cost of that and all the the things that come with that, Twitter would just not allow 18 plus content in general. And I think that's a very valid concern. And I do wonder every day if my profile is about to be taken down. Instagram, especially because they 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 allowed you to label your profile as 18 plus. But the second you did that, 
you would be shadow banned and you, you're, all your posts are under a lens. And I have stuff taken down every week that shouldn't be taken down that anybody else could post and it's going to be taken, it's going to stay up. But for me, because my profile is highly visible as an adult profile, it's just taken down for no reason other than my profile is adult. And it's not even like I, I keep everything pretty tame on there and it's still removed. Um, and, but I do believe that Twitter would allow us to stay regardless. Um, but the worry is again, that the government would pass some bill that would indirectly affect that being allowed in general. You know, the perception that porn is the, you know, the, the kind of last avenue for people to pursue income is wrong in some cases. I mean, there, there are people who actually go to porn because it's more lucrative than many other jobs. But the perception about whether the participants in sex work want to be doing it or enjoy it, do you think that matters? Does that, does that matter in terms of the public perception or viewers knowing the answer to that? I think it absolutely matters. Um, and I like to tell people all the time that porn was not a last resort for me. I, I did it. I've, I've always wanted to do it. I found porn at like a really young age and never saw it as a bad thing. And I never had the self-confidence to pursue it. I started when I was 20. I wish I would have started earlier, but I know that I couldn't have with the state of mind I had about myself. And that's why I started, you know, at the strip club and I worked my way up and then my timing was really good. Um, I'm glad I joined when I did. And I, but I do wish I could have done it earlier. Like it was not a last resort for me at all. It, I think people, a lot for a lot of people it is, but for a lot of us, it's not. And I think that instead of viewing it as, yes, you can make a lot of money, but it's also a door. Like I'm meeting people that never would have acknowledged my existence and I get to work with them and I get to, if I wanted to do something else, I could always link it in with this. I don't think even if I do do something else and I do have other endeavors that I plan to, you know, like dial down performing in the future and focus on those, but I don't think I'm ever going to stop performing. I think it's always going to be a part of my life now that I've done it. And I'm happy with that. Like, I'm happy that I can use it to do other things that I've always wanted to do. Like it gives me the funds and the connections to do those things. When we think of body art, you are someone in the industry who's received acclaim and recognition for an artistic representation of, you know, the human spirit and the human body. Um, You have described to your Twitter followers and to me that maybe even within the industry, there is a stigmatization or had been about body art, but more broadly, the question of the human experience as an artistic tapestry uh, is a subject of, of potential contention. Um, whereas when I would say, you know, your, your, your body, you know, is, is the tapestry you, you want to, uh, refine and define and um, what, how would you characterize the state of 
you know, body art and perceptions about body art, both within porn and outside of porn? I, so I've been tattooed since my first tattoo I got when I was 15. And I've always been, I've always been one to like customize like my outer shell, like how I see fit and not care about the blowback that I get from society. But I've definitely like, I experience like people, like if I go to the mall, like they'll follow me, like thinking that I'm going to steal something. Like people think that I'm just like, a thug or something to this that, day you're saying or or historically yeah, to, to this day no to this day still like that's that's just how it is i think that's gonna get better like within society like people are gonna realize that all kinds of people have tattoos because the younger generation has a ton of tattoos and but in the industry it still very much exists i still deal with it a lot and i've only you know recently in the past like six months had enough followers and like recognition from my own stuff for people to start looking past that like I when I first started I was not getting a lot of work and when I did get work they would tell the makeup artist to cover up my tattoos they would change the wardrobe when they realized how many tattoos that I have and try to cover them up like my first scene I ever did outside of my agency's website um they made me wear this long sleeved sweater and leggings and they made me keep it on the whole time we pulled the sweater over my head so that my arms were still covered up and we just ripped the leggings so that my legs were covered up and I only had like two tattoos on my legs at the time so that was ridiculous to me and looking back on that scene, I, w- I would pay like thousands of dollars to have that scene taken down, but that's not going to ever happen. And I have these reminders of that like discrimination that I've had to deal with up there forever. And it sucks. Um, and I, I hear, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a little while now. So I have girls that have come in after me that tell me that they look up to me because they're dealing with that discrimination and they look at me and there's a couple other big names, but there's not a lot. And, you know, see that as maybe a light that they could break through too, but it's still there. And it sucks because if you're smaller and like your accounts are smaller and you have a lot of tattoos, you're going to deal with that. Like the companies don't look past it until you have like enough clout for them to look past it increasing respect for the integrity of your artistic representation. The fact that it's on your body as opposed to on your clothes is something that you think is acknowledged more freely now within the industry, but not outside of the industry. I think out versus each other, like outside the industry versus in the industry currently, it's more accepted in society. In the industry, you're going to have a problem with it way more than you deal with outside until you have built up enough um clout to have them look past it unfortunately like it's still very much a problem and there's still so many companies that are never going to book me because of my tattoos and i i do want to say this because i think it's a good representation of how the industry takes any sort of individualization that you do to your outside shell um, is when I signed with my agency, my agent told me that I was the first girl in eight years he was telling to keep their dyed hair. 
I was the first one in eight years, which is so crazy to me. The public reception uh, to your work inspires you to feel like there is more humanity and there is more humane behavior or the opposite or a, a mixture to the extent that it, the public reaction that you will get on a daily basis, it, you are unfazed by it one way or another. Um, and it, it doesn't really result in a change of your consciousness or your deliberations about, you know, how, how you want to interact with the public. Oh, absolutely. I've never been one to really like care how people react very much. I'm just going to like, I feel like I know I'm very secure with like myself and my views. Um, and I definitely will continue to try and humanize what we do and humanize myself to the public because I think in the past a lot of girls have been scared to um but I'm not so I'm going to keep talking about what I think is important regardless of what anybody thinks for sure well that's commendable um and you know one thing that I I've never asked but I've been curious about is to the extent that you know, you and your colleagues who are articulate and engaged in the policy dimensions of it, think about the real life consequences of how, if and how, participating in this industry affects you on a personal basis. Um, do you find that the pool of relatable people it has widened to the extent that people in the industry today um, would be comfortable in relationships, whether that's dating or marriage with people out of the industry, or do you find that most of the people who live their professional life in porn also by virtue of that question of relatability have to live their personal life in the industry as well? I find that um, so now that I've been doing this for a minute, I have actually had a a couple of relationships outside porn. And now I'm currently in a relationship with another performer. Um, and it's my experiences dating outside of it have not been good. People like to think they can handle it, but they can't. And, or they like fetishize it. And it's not actually something that they're able to deal with. And I, it's hard, but I hope that with us being more humanized, people will kind of come around to it because it needs to be viewed as a job, like what it is. It's a job. And like, there are a lot of us that are very capable of only being with one partner outside of this job. And it's, yeah, I, uh, that that's a topic that is hard for me because of my personal experience. I, I don't have, but I also don't view or don't think that you should be fully immersed in the industry all the time. You, I value my friends who aren't in the industry so much, so much 
because when I, I kind of go stir crazy when I'm like fully in it. And then I just got to like go out of town for a little while and see my friends um, that aren't in the industry and like refresh my brain. Cause it's not fully the real world, like porn politics and porn social stuff are uh, a lot and it's hard to deal with all the time. And a lot of people don't have that separation. And I think it's really important. Where is the greatest potential for bridging the two divides? You know, uh, in the sense that that you're really describing there are, they are two different universes and, 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 you know, if you're going to bridge them, what's the most constructive way to do that? You know, I'm still looking for that personally. Um, it's, it's something that for performers will just take a lot of time and I've, I've accepted that I'm, I, I have not found that bridge yet. And like I say, I just, I'll work my ass off for like two months and then go out of town and see my friends for like a couple weeks and just like refresh my brain. And that's, that's the best balance I've found. You have to merge in your, in your brain, the, your persona that you put off for industry purposes and then who you really are. They have to kind of be like merged together. Like I am Val Steele. She's not a character. Um, but I'm also the person that I was before. And I've definitely, it's important to merge them, but also recognize what's separate. And that just takes time. Val, thank you so much for your insight today and for joining me on The Open Mind. Thank you for having me.